0: We are guarding our hearts with all diligence. Sometimes you just have to shut off certain devices or certain networks or just, you know, whatever it is. If it's something, if you're paying attention to something and it's getting your blood pressure boiling and it's making you irritated, making you anxious, making you fearful, you know, I suggest, well, don't submit yourself to it. I'm going to submit myself to the voice of the Spirit. I'm going to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. So set a guard over your heart, monitor what you're looking at, monitor what you are listening to. Abraham's nephew Lot in the, in the scriptures, I think it's in Peter says that uh, he was troubled in his, in his soul by the things that he heard and he saw, the things that he was subjected to. The things that he heard and the things that he was exposed to. He he was troubled by it. And it's no different today. Many people are troubled. When you get to the bottom of it, they they got troubled because they were submitting themselves to uh, uh, looking at things, watching things, or hearing things that weren't feeding their faith, weren't feeding their confidence in God. matter of fact, contrary to that, it was was just uh, deconstructing their faith and just tearing it apart. And so set a guard over your heart and just make it, a, make it a commitment of yours. I'm going to be ever so careful what I'm allowing into my life and into my heart because out of my heart, the very core of my being spring the issues of life. You know, what is my attitude in life? What, you know, what, what is my position? How, how, am, I, how am I doing you know, we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be rejoicing about and a lot to be confident and we don't and we should be really setting that heart monitor and, and letting it rule into reign. In John chapter uh, 14 and verse 27 is one of the verses we had looked at for several weeks. But in, in, uh, where Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. And the amplified version of that in, in John 14:27 reads like this. Says, Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Well, I'm agitated or I'm disturbed because this is injustice or this is going on or this isn't going the way I think it should be going or that type of thing. And, you know, sometimes when we're feeling tension and we're agitated and disturbed, sometimes it can be a holy tension. It can be a holy agitation. Sometimes things are stirring you and agitating you, and it may be the Holy Spirit getting you out of your mold that you're in To stir you up to do something such as correct an injustice or whatever the situation is, whatever it is that you're being agitated about, or perhaps you're being called out by God to bring a solution to that situation, not to condemn it, not to criticize it, or not to criticize others that aren't doing anything about it. Perhaps that's what God called you to do. Don't just complain about stuff, situations, circumstances, injustices. Don't get agitated. Don't remain agitated and disturbed, but do something about it. I can honestly tell you that the formative progress for my calling into being a pastor was being agitated and disturbed at what I was hearing Thinking, no, that's not it. There's a, there's a truth here that needs to be spoken. There's something else that needs to be, there's, there's, a, there's more enlightenment that needs to be shared. But my initial passion for wanting to teach the Word of God, as shy and as, as paranoid, as fearful as I was at the idea of public speaking, I was equally agitated. At some of the things that I just thought should not be spoken in the name of the Lord. God being blamed for things that I didn't think he should be blamed for. And we could go on and on about all kinds of illustrations. But in general, that was some of the early processes of, of uh, me trying to figure out what does God want me to do. This was after I became passionate about God and say, "Okay, God, what's your call for my life? What's your will for my life?" And I found myself just like being agitated and disturbed. You know, I'd be listening to Christian radio or listening to whatever, and think, "Oh my gosh, don't blame God for that, or don't fault God for that, or don't blame the body of Christ, or don't blame government, or you know, stop all this blaming and excusing. Let's just let's be honest. Let's speak truth." And so there's something in your life that you may be agitated and disturbed about, but stop being agitated and disturbed about it and do something about it. It could be prodding you to some action steps. So stop allowing yourselves just to be agitated and disturbed, but take some action steps, Get connected with God and his peace will rule and reign over your heart. You will begin to have an inner tranquility and, and a poise uh, as one who is trusting in God. You're going to have a calm inner stability right in the middle of chaos, the thing that you may have been agitated about. Now you're going to find yourself progressively doing something about the situation. You're, you're speaking into it or you, you're, you're righting a wrong and you'd say, well, you know, it's, the problem's too big for me just to take care of all of it. Well, just do what God wants you to do. Help one person. If you help one person, you made a great impact in the kingdom. So stop being agitated and disturbed, remembering that life flows from within you, not to you. Too frequently, when we're feeling agitated or disturbed, we look externally and say, well, this is agitating me. This is disturbing me. Really? (laughs) Why are you letting it agitate you? Well, when I watch this show, when I watch this or I listen to this, it just agitates me. Well, stop watching. Stop listening. No one's holding a gun to your head. You have freedom to stop. You have freedom to unplug. You really do. And diligently make a commitment. You're going to guard your heart in all circumstances. And recognize that life is flowing from within me. It's not flowing from me. So we want to continue to set that heart check. Continue to do what we need to do. Last week I shared with you how you can be monitoring how you are doing in life by paying attention to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Jesus himself declared that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. So it's what's going on in us, the real us. What's in us is going to come out. It's going to come out by the words that we speak. Our attitudes are going to be exposed, our thoughts, feelings, they're all exposed by the words that we're speaking, And, and so we want to be monitoring, and if I'm constantly complaining and speaking life's defeat, then I need to think, okay, why am I constantly complaining? Why am I speaking life's defeats rather than agreeing with the word of the Lord, agreeing with the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the wisdom of God, and, and, and get hooked up with God and God's plan for my life. And so set a guard over your heart by listening to the words that are coming out of your mouth. I also suggested that uh, as husbands and wives you can encourage one another, you can help monitor one another, get permission to do so. Don't just be a police. And also for those that are not married, you can have a, someone that you can ask to, hey, just kind of keep a. Keep a monitor on what I'm saying. You know, there's, there, there, there's a trend. I'm not just talking about one time, a sentence, or, but there's a pattern of the words that are coming out of your mouth. So pay attention to it. Pay attention. So today I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. Have another monitor to put on your hearts. One more to help us. I mean, we could continue to go with this, but we have some other things that I believe God wants to do in our lives and in the church here at grace but in Luke chapter 12 beginning at verse 13 the parable of the rich fool says then one from the crowd said to him teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me but he said to him man who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you and he said to them, "Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses." Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, "The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, "What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops?" So he said, "I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods." And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Not rich toward God. Then it goes on. You may be more familiar with the next parable that he gives talking about the instructions of not worrying, but rather seeking first the kingdom of God, not worrying about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, all those types of things. But seek first the kingdom of God, verse 31. Go to verse 31 of chapter 12. It said, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 32 says, do not fear, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure. Everyone say good pleasure. pleasure. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. Verse 34, our heart monitor. For where your treasure is, there your what will be also? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Although in the Bible wealth is shown as an aspect of God's favor, God's approval, it's also in the Word of God. We have the added emphasis, especially in the New Testament, of the, uh, we have the added emphasis of the possessions and use of wealth or money in connection with heart attitude and internal motivation. Heart attitude and internal motivation. A healthy, righteous heart does not serve mammon, does not serve money, it manages or it stewards money. Jesus is counseled to the rich young ruler to not, He's counseling the rich young ruler to not seek security in financial holdings or material possessions. And this counsel applies to all of us. The counsel from Jesus is, is to keep your heart free of possessions. Our finances, money, is often the last thing to come under the authority of the lordship of Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you'll turn there with me for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's read verse 17 and 19. 1 Timothy 6:17 says command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, I, for years, I would read that, and I would all of a sudden, in and, and my mind, immediately kick into gear to all the people that I knew that I thought were rich. As if this was not speaking to me, it was speaking to those who are richer than me. And I don't think that's uncommon. I don't think that was uniquely me. I think that may be just a, something that just sort of happens. Well, command those who are rich. Well, Well, yeah, I know some people that are rich that need to hear this. I want you to know, I, I don't have the numbers with me this morning, but I have given you numbers in the past. But if I think of this $2,000, if you have assets totaling $2,000, you're among the richest people in the world. See, the Bible, the Bible teaches from a, a biblical worldview, not a biblical United States of America view. So we can't measure this by what's going on in our neighborhood what's going on in our church, in our community. This is is a word, you know, God is for all people. He so loved the whole world. So it's a biblical worldview, and from a biblical worldview, we here in the United States of America are very rich. So this is talking to everyone in here. I know you're enjoying this much more than what your faces are showing it, but (laughs) I'm just confident. So take this personally. This is speaking about you this morning, speaking about us. Commanding those who are rich in this present age today not to be haughty. It doesn't say command those who are rich to get rid of it all. that They should not be rich. It says not to be haughty nor to trust in the uncertain riches. That's what the the parable of the the rich fool, you know, he was becoming haughty and he was hoarding it up for himself. And he was trusting in his riches rather than trusting in God. And so uh, the rest of that verse says, uh, but but to uh, trusting in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God wants you to enjoy his favor, his approval, and his blessings on your life. He wants you to enjoy managing and stewarding your resources. There's another parable in Matthew 25. I encourage you to just read it over and over again. Just become familiar with it. It's called the parable of the talents. It's where God, you know, the landowner, he hanged out five talents and five talents and, and uh, two talents, I think it was. And uh, the first guy went and he invested his talents and doubled them. The master came back and said, well done, good and faithful servant. The second one went out and he invested his talents and he doubled them. The master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The one that received one talent, he was afraid and he hid his talent. And when the master came back and said, the least you could have done is put it in the bank and earn some interest on it. And he called him a wicked and lazy servant. The idea of that particular parable is that what your talents that you have, not just your money, but your talents, your skill sets, that you invest them into the kingdom. And it's the, the, the principle that's being taught is that God is looking for increase. He's looking for you to increase increase. He's looking for you to grow. The Apostle Paul in writing to the church at Corinth concerning finances, he talked about the church of Macedonia, and he talked about Jesus, how he was rich and he became poor, and then he sort of wrapped it up with this statement. He said, you also grow in this grace. Grow in the grace. Grow in your stewardship. Grow in what you're managing. It's not the amount that you have or don't have. You take what you have. You take what God has given you, and you sow it into the kingdom. And that you not be trusting in yourself, but that you be trusting in the living God. In, in living God. Verse 18. It says, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. That's the attitude that we all have, all need to be having in our hearts concerning our stewardship, our resources. I once had a gentleman come up to me and he said, you know, when, when, when I hit the lottery, and I win my million dollars, I'm going to give the church 100000 I didn't say anything to him. I just thought, "No, you won't. <laughs> you're not tithing on the 100 dollars you're earning every week now. You're not even giving 10 dollars on the 100. How are you going to give 100,000 on the million? And by the way, don't let million dollars scare you. You can be a millionaire within the year. All you have to do is put 20,000 dollars in the bank every week for 50 weeks. <laughs> That's it. So don't let numbers scare you. All right? It's that simple. Verse 19 says, storing up, you knows you are to be ready to give, willing to share, storing up for, your, for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Laying hold on eternal life. The, 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 the commandment here, not to trust in uncertain riches, but to trust in the living God who richly, richly gives us richly all things to enjoy. Enjoyment, however, when God richly gives us all things to enjoy, the enjoyment is not referring to self-indulgent living. Enjoy being a steward from a biblical worldview, from a biblical view. Enjoy stewarding from a, from a biblical view, not, in, not indulgent living. The reason everything that God gives us so richly may be enjoyed lies in the recognition that everything, including our wealth, is a, is, is a gift. And it's the expression of God's generosity toward us. An expression of God's generosity toward us. Now, there's, there's competing philosophies. There's competing Uh, competition out there and how people think the system should work. For example, capitalists teach that the individual owns it all. Socialism teaches that the state or the government owns it all and it's their responsibility to steward it. Capitalists believe it's their responsibility. They make the decisions. However, The word of God, the kingdom of God teaches, his word teaches, that God owns it all, and we are simply stewards or managers of all that he has richly entrusted to us. So that's the right way to go. In our culture today, there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of buzz in the air about socialism versus capitalism. Both of them can be really bad, left to themselves, the kingdom of God teaches that God owns it all and we are to be good stewards and we are to be good managers of what God has entrusted to us. This is, foundation, this is very foundational to having a heart check, to having a healthy heart concerning our stewardship. God is holding you responsible. You can't just say, well, you know, well I'm not a rich person and my, my trust certainly isn't in my riches. Well, it's your trust in government. Is your trust in something else? It's amazing where our trust will go to if we don't keep our heart in check. Well, I don't need to worry about this, the government will take care of it. I don't need to worry about this, the company will cover it for me. Steward what you have and trust God in everything. Trust God in everything. Back to Luke chapter 12. The parable, that particular parable, describes a person that is not rich toward God but rather is preoccupied with material things for himself. And that is what God's word is coming against. It's not coming against rich. It's coming against trusting in riches and becoming materialistic and just having a preoccupation about hoarding up for ourselves. I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build bigger. I'm going to say, man, you worked hard. You amassed all this wealth. I'm just going to tear it all down. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to take it easy. No, you don't retire in kingdom service. You keep serving God. You may retire from your place of employment, but you are still a child of God, and you're still this side of the grave. You still need to be stewarding and managing and expanding Increasing for the kingdom. God's looking for increase. Remember the parable of 20, uh, Matthew 25? I, we didn't look at it, but I encourage you to read it. God's looking for increase. So retire from your job. Enjoy retirement. You worked hard. Thank God you can retire. You're in a position to retire, but you, 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 you retire from capitalism, but you, haven't, you, you never retire from the kingdom of God and serving the kingdom and bringing increase in God's kingdom. So materialism, here's the heart check that we're, we could go on and on in different Bible verses and so forth, but the heart check today just get you started in the right direction. The monitor that we're going to put on you today, the things that we're going to be looking for on this monitor screen or you look for it yourself, I'm not the judge. Yes, I am. I'm going <laughs> to. Miles will be honest, right? <laughs> Let me give you one more verse before we get into the monitor. In, uh, in Timothy 6 and verse 10, we looked at, we looked at Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 verses uh, 16 and 17. Excuse me, 17 through 19. But in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10 tells us that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So this is something else you want to get straight in your heart. Money is not wrong. God's not opposed to it. God's desire, you know, the psalmist said that, that uh, the blessings of the Lord make one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. A righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And so there's nothing wrong with amassing money. We just want to continue stewarding it well and increasing in your benevolence, and increasing in, in, in your giving and in your sowing and you just continue to grow you continue to grow and you want that well done good and faithful servant so in Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 and 10 it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil that's why capitalism goes amok and that's why socialism goes amok you don't put trust you don't put your faith in either one of them you put your faith in the living God you put your faith in the living out. So things that are not working in the capitalist society is because it's the love of money. They, they do things, and people do things, and they think it's, it's well-intended, but the heart of man is evil. And it'll be corrupted because of the love of money, the volume of money that gets put into certain programs and situations. People just, you know, I don't think they ever intend to do it at first, but just all of a sudden it's, it's, it's you know... It's not being stewarded well. So it's the love of money. It's not money itself. Now, back to the materialism and doing a a heart monitor to, to, to to see how our heart is doing. Are we being materialistic or are we being stewards of what God has entrusted to us? First of all, materialism is defined as a preoccupation with or a tendency to seek after or to stress material things a preoccupation with or a tendency to seek after or stress material things. Materialism, not mere possession of things, but an obsession of things. Materialism is not a mere possession of things, but an obsession with things. So here's some monitors. Some things that will help you monitor your heart. Where am I at? Where am I at? Well, first of all, there's no formula, there's no household income numbers that you may not exceed or you're a materialist, or categories to inform you that you cross the line over into materialism. You can be dirt poor and be materialistic if all you're obsessed with is stuff. There's people that are very poor that love money so much they love money than they do people that they're willing to shoot someone to steal their money. That's That root of that evil is the love of money. So it's not just rich people. Anybody can fall into it. So there's no formula. There's no household income numbers or categories to inform you that you cross the line into materialism. And you can't come up with numbers. I can't come up with a number. Well, you earn X amount of dollars. Now now you cross over. No one needs that much money. You're materialistic. You can't do it. You can't do it. Materialism is a heart issue, not a material issue. There are some very wealthy people that live in very wealthy, expensive homes and have Numbers, a mass that would you know just boggle the mind with wow, what would I do with all that money? <laughs> it's none of my business, it's not mine. That are very, very generous. And there's people that give millions of dollars into benevolent causes. And you might look at that and say, Well, yeah, if I had all the billions they have, I'd give millions also. You don't know that you don't know that you don't know so leave it alone i just rejoice every time i see that someone gave you know 10 billion dollars to such and such a charity or, or that cause or whatever i "Yeah, hey, it's cool i'm just going i'm just waiting for it to say grace church so, <laughs> it's got to be somebody out there <laughs> So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where does your treasure lie? As stewards, we, are we investing only in the here and now, or are we investing in the kingdom of God? Are we paying it forward into eternal things? And what we want is we want a radical change of heart that prompts us to treat all that we possess, to be acknowledging that all that we possess belongs to God. It's not our own. To use as we please, but it's ours to be good stewards of it and to bring increase for the kingdom of God. Now, here's the heart monitor. I said that a few times and I still didn't get to it, but here we go. Heart monitor hookup to let us know when we are entering into materialism. Number one, am I envious of what other people have? Do I find myself looking at other people and I have an envious attitude? Why did they have that? Or how do they deserve that? I'm as good as they are. That type of thing. When you find yourself being envious of others in comparison to what you have, lay aside envy. Number two, anxious. I'm anxious about resources. I'm anxious about money rather than managing my money. The, I, again, you don't want to be anxious about it. In Proverbs chapter three says we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, our money management ways, we are to we are to trust Him. So you don't want to be envious, you don't want to be anxious, you don't want to be prideful of what you do have. And the opposite of being envious would be be prideful of what you have, and you know, be Snobby towards people who have less than you have. Another monitor check would be I'm fixated on what I don't have rather than appreciating what I do have. Fixated on what I don't have rather than appreciating what I do have. What's your heart attitude? Are you grumbling and complaining about what you don't have? Or are you thankful for everything that you do have? my dad was ai don't know what he was but uh, (laughs) he would always have a comeback for any type of complaining about not having something and being one of 16 kids you know I don't know if I ever had a new pair of shoes having three older brothers hand-me-downs were common but uh Any complaint to my dad would, retort would be, be thankful you have two feet. (laughs) All right, dad, I'm thankful. No matter what you complain about, I need, I need warmer gloves. Be thankful if you have hands with fingers, you know. <laughs> There's always that something that you should be thankful for. And You know, as much as it irritated me as I was a child growing up under that, I can see there was some wisdom in that. Be thankful. Be thankful. So, heart monitor number four or five. I forget where we're at here, but it says, When I lose the joy of cheerful giving... In 2 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, God loves a cheerful giver. Do you give cheerfully to your local church? Do you give cheerfully to things that you believe that, uh, that, that you're passionate about? Do you give cheerfully or are you giving grudgingly and out of necessity? Well, if you give grudgingly and out of necessity, it's going to help the recipient. But it's not helping you. When you give cheerfully, God loves the cheerful gift. You're sowing cheerfully. You want it to help the recipient, but you also want it to come back pressed down, shaken together, running over. So, well, Pastor Ray, I don't know if you should teach people to, to give to get. Why not? I was taught to sow seeds. As a little child, I was helping my mom put seeds in the ground in our garden. And I helped plant corn in the fields. I did that with a full anticipation and a full education that in a few months, in a few weeks or a few months, whatever the time was for whatever seed was sown, there would be, a, be payday. Well, well, you just put the heart monitor on. I'll let God speak to you, all right? But all through the Word of God, there's promises of sowing and reaping. You sow now, you reap later. You sow less. Whatever you sow, there's, there's a harvest. You sow now, and there's a harvest later. And the harvest is always greater than that which you've sown. It's always greater. Some of you may have bought those pretty ears of corn to decorate your house for Thanksgiving. Well, that ears, ears of corn that you bought, just that one ear with all those kernels on it, you should count it sometime. How many kernels are on that ear of corn? Instead of watching something on TV that gets your heart all whacked out, just tonight just sit down and prop up your feet and take that ear of corn and count the kernels. (laughs) Yeah, you're still sane. You're still sane. But all those kernels were produced out of one kernel. Now that ear of corn may have 100 or more kernels on it. Now you take those kernels and take 10% of those and sow those. I mean, just... Think how many, in just a few short seasons, it amasses a huge amount. God's Word is the same way. But it's not for you to build barns and to build bigger and to hoard it up for yourself and say, I have done this. Now I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to travel there. There's nothing wrong with going and traveling and enjoying life. He's given us richly all things to enjoy. But don't forget the Lord, your God, who has given you the power to create wealth that he might establish his covenant here on the earth. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing and establish the covenant. And so he wants us to continue on. So don't be focusing, you know, when you lose the joy of cheerful giving, you begin to focus more on keeping and storing up and building bigger barns. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, there's a man that withholds more than is right, and it leads to poverty. But the generous, you know, the generous one is going to lead to more. But when you withhold more than is right, it leads to poverty. God loves a cheerful giver. Generosity. Your generosity, your generous heart. Talking about a heart check. Generosity is biblically, biblically connected to spiritual development. The parallels of spiritual development are connected To your generosity. If God can trust you with little, he will trust you with much. And if he can't trust you with another man, how can he trust you with eternal things? So there's connection all through the word of God. God's laws of seed time and harvest time are His ways to get you into a place where He can bless you richly to enjoy all things, enjoy helping the poor, enjoy clothing the naked, enjoy feeding the hungry, enjoy uh, seeing uh, injustices uh, corrected and made right. Being able to do it rather than just complain about it, you're able to do it. Here's my definition of God wanting you to prosper. Here's what I believe prosperity is for us. I believe this is a, a, it's, it's all relative. You know, we live here, so our prosperity in this region is relative to this region. If you're in India, you know you may be in top of the food chain. But here's what it is: biblical prosperity is to have all that you need to accomplish what God's will is for you. And to have an abundance remaining so that you can sow generously as the Holy Spirit is leading you. That is prosperity. Stop measuring by what someone is wearing, driving, living. Stop being prideful or envious. Stop being anxious and just realize, God, what's your call for my life? What am I going to stand before you? And and be accountable to, and I want to, and whatever that is, I want to be able to complete what you have called me to do. I just personally, I personally don't think it's acceptable. It's definitely not acceptable for me to someday stand before the Lord and say, Well, I didn't do everything you wanted me to do because I couldn't afford it. I don't think that's acceptable because I think. I believe that with every vision, there is provision. God is for you. Yes, he's given you a vision, but he's already provided for us. All things richly to enjoy. Fulfill your vision, your dream. Stop being agitated. Stop being disturbed. Come up with a game plan. Trust God for the finances. Live for him and be reckless about it, and be cheerful about it, and and be a good manager and a good steward of all that God has entrusted to you. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you that all things we talked about, whether it be peace... lack of peace, whether it be anxiety, whether it be fear, just all the other heart attitudes we talked about. Father, it's my prayer that all of us can have room to grow in the area of stewarding well what you have entrusted to us. Our trust and our confidence is in you, in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for every household represented here today, for every person. I thank you, Lord God, that you have specific plans for us we have dreams we have visions we have goals we have desires I believe they're God ordained and I thank you Lord God that in that that you provided for us the areas of social injustice that irritate us and agitate us Father that we can come to a place where we're not just continuing to being agitated or irritated but Lord that we are coming up with a plan to do our part in correcting any and all social injustices that we are compelled to correct. We are doing what we need to be doing to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Father, you have come to heal the brokenhearted. May your word, may we have an open heaven for your word to run swiftly, not only here in Berks, but beyond. And all all of our dreams, all of our desires, all of our passions brought together, Lord God, may they all come under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. They all look different. We all approach things differently. But may they all come under the umbrella of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Name above all names. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Name above all names. And all the people said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Listen, it's very important that you keep this monitor on because your heart may stop, you never know. There was a ring and a pendant from a chain necklace turned in at the resource center. And if anybody thinks they lost a ring or this pendant, please contact the connection center, okay? I thought we are gonna melt those down and make a cache. All right. God bless you. If you want anyone to pray with you, I'm going to be happy to meet you up here. We love you. Have an awesome week.